Hey everybody, welcome to the Basic Buzz. My name is Davey and this is episode 23. So today I'm joined by Mr. Daryl Willey. He is a the executive director over at Teach America here in Jacksonville. Um, but he's also running for District 4 seat, right? That's it. School Board District 4. Exactly. Here and we go. I heard that you, um, I mean, like, where did you, why did this come up? Like, how did you get into say, you know what, I want to I want to run in politics, unfortunately. Yeah. It yeah. is, but yeah. Yeah, the political world is something else out there right now. Uh, so, hey, listeners out there, excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Certainly. Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm a guy who has been, I've just been afforded so much because of my education. Uh, I was telling you before, like I'm a military kid, so I've bounced around um, Georgia, Texas, Germany, North Carolina, California, and I've seen all types of schools and all types of school systems. Um, so for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a professional thing. I've been working in education for 15 years, but now it's also personal. Like I have three beautiful daughters because my wife is really cute and beautiful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, those daughters, man, every time I think about them and, and what they want are going to be when they grow up, right. education is the thing. It's yeah. the thing that's going to either determine that or help them get there. And I think for me, it's now a personal and professional thing. So, And I have the skills, and, uh, and I always tell people I have the heart set and the mindset to be able to do it. Like My heart's in it. My mind is in it. Um, I study, and I know what I'm talking about uh, because I try to learn every day. And if I can do that in my current role, I can do that in this board seat mm-hmm. and really affect sustained change. And that's what we need. If it's not in a policy, if it's not written somewhere, um, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen or it's easy for the next person to come in and strip it away. Exactly. Um, and we do that a lot as, as different communities. So I'm excited to be in the role. Um, and I'm not running for office anymore. I'm sprinting. Sprinting. Yeah, to I'm office. sprinting to office because we only have a couple months. That's now. true. The yeah. primaries are done, and now you're going straight done. into yeah. the, uh, the the big November election. That's it. We did well in the primary. Got about 39, 40 percent of the vote. Nice. Uh, yeah, out of six that's people, a, which yeah, is that's which a is good. Huge majority. Yeah. yeah. So about four thousand over the next person, but we're not resting on that. No. Like we're can't grinding. settle. Yeah. We're we'll be knocking on doors tonight. Come out with me if you want to. Um, and I can attest to that because the amount of times I tried to call to get you on the show, your wife would tell me, yeah, he's knocking on doors and he's literally going. And it's amazing, guys. If you haven't had the chance to go and knock on doors, the experience is personal. Like you get to see yeah. and you'll notice if you ever get a chance to, to talk with Daryl, he's so personable in the sense that he makes you feel like this is your brother. This yeah. is a person that you can truly trust. A lot of times... You have the the door salesman that comes through, <laughs> and you know it's superficial, but he really means the best, guys. Like I, I, I'm, I love talking with you, man. So I appreciate it. Let's, I mean, let's. You told us like why you're getting here and everything like that. Let I just wanted to say like, you you've been running, you've been working at Teach Teach for America for a long yeah. time. Like, how yeah. did you get started in that? So I got started in Teach for America because I was a part of the program. Uh, I love the program. It, it actually, what we do is we recruit nationwide, usually college graduates or career trainers to go and teach in high-need schools. And uh, so when I was an undergrad, the recruiter came on campus and said, hey, we got this Teach from Erica thing. Love to, to tell you about it. And I sat down and I was just blown away by the possibilities. Um, so I got involved and went and taught. I taught in the Mississippi Delta on the Arkansas side of the river. And that's a, we'll explain a little bit of that. Yeah. And it was <laughs> the Mississippi, Arkansas Delta is it's almost like time has stopped mm-hmm. in an area like that. So I taught there for three years, and ever since then, my heart and my has been beating for kids because our kids are brilliant. They are. Yeah. 
But if we as adults can do what we need to do systemically um, and both from a leadership standpoint, then then we'll be at another level. So that's how I got involved in Teach for America. Um, we do a good track, Teach for America, keeping in touch with our alum, just like mm-hmm. a college and university. Mm-hmm. So I was actually out in California working, and I was looking to get back to this side of the country. And they were like, hey, there's a couple jobs in Florida and North Carolina. So I looked at both of them, and I fell in love with Jacksonville. I came and visited, and everybody that I met was like, <laughs> they were like, when you come here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not like, if you come, oh, like, oh, when yeah. you come. And oh, I was yeah, like, man, yeah. I guess I got to go to Jacksonville. And ever since then, so that was about eight years ago. So since then, um, we bought a house, had three kids, and now we're here we are running for office. It's so, funny how you can get sucked into oh, Jacksonville. Yeah. It's a place, yeah. So I, I got to ask, like, so you've been mentoring for Reball. Yep. You're on several boards. You know, like, you're deep into Jacksonville now. Yeah. So, you know, what is, like, what opportunities are there for Jacksonville to develop, in your opinion, in the education area? I mean, honestly, I, I think that, what we haven't done as a, as a city and a district is figure out how to scale the great things that are happening. Yeah. Like, I go into schools a lot. I mean, you, you've talked about schools that you've gone into. There's positive things happening. There's great teachers, there are great classes, great subsets of teams. But what we haven't done is said, all right, this school is doing awesome. They're A. How do we scale that out to make sure all the schools, especially in our, our sort of lower income areas and mm-hmm. sort of areas are, are doing well. So I think that's our possibility is how do we... How do we get um, up in a place where we can actually scale the change? So, okay, here's the idea. You told us about the idea of what you, you know, what Jacksonville can do, what possibly could happen. Yeah. But what are some of the, like, what is your platform that in, like, the priorities that yeah. you want to focus on? Yeah, and they're exactly that. I, I tell people all the time I'm not making any promises. There are priorities because at the end of the day, like, the job of a school board member is really to to hold accountable and support the vision of what the superintendent has. And we have a new superintendent who mm-hmm. I've gotten a chance to meet a couple of times and she's, she's good. Yeah. Uh, she's going to have a good, good idea. So for me, when I think about our priorities, number one, we have to figure out the funding issues, like making mm-hmm. sure funding is, is sustainable, making sure funding is in a place where we can actually uh, look year over year to be able to do that. Uh, safety being one as well. Like there's just so much going on with, with our, with our kids and our communities as far as safety and when I think about safety, I think about it hand in hand with trauma. Like our kids in some of the communities are experiencing trauma either in their households, uh, as they're walking to school. And we have to do something about that to make yeah. sure they feel safe both physically and mentally when they come into a school. As you hear the sirens in the background. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's so true. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't so much an issue maybe when you and I were growing up. No. But when it just seems like now, it's just every day. It's bad. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with... We're just much, much closer to news and stories and action than we were mm. probably 10 years ago. But it's also the fact that we just have a nation um, that has just been through so much. Like mm. you think about what these these young people have been through, what they've seen. They've seen school shootings. They've seen um, some of them have seen 9-11 happen. So you've, you've seen all these things happen and, and it's happening every year, every month, almost every day. They see it, even on TV, yeah, things are more graphic forced. than before. Oh, so yeah. I think the, there's a lot that we can do as a, as a community to make sure that the students are on that right path. What is it that your involvement in mentoring in, uh, at Rebalt involves in, like, yeah, so I started actually at Revolt Middle School. I had uh, with the Achievers for Life program with a sixth grader, and 
it was so it was neat just to be in the school. I was in the schools already, but get that chance to do one on one. Um, and I've seen him grow. So now he's in uh, what is he in eleventh, twelfth grade? Wow. And just to see, he's a young black male. Um, and just to see like the things that he sees every day, like mm. it was just great to, to hear him talk and him talk about his day, his community, his his friends, all those sorts of pieces. And what I learned from that is is we have to get individuals who care, individuals who who have influence into our schools to see what's happening in our communities. Because it's easy to read about it or see it on the news, but my, the young man I have, he's he's awesome. He's brilliant. He's he's talented. He's smart. Um, but he's got a lot of hurdles. Like, yeah. He's got hurdles that he has to jump over. I know the ones ones that I probably didn't have to jump over. Many people won't, but he's going to do it because he's resilient. He's persistent. And he's got a great person there backing him, too. And I got him all the way. <laughs> and he'll tell you that, too. I stay on him. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's, that's what we need. I think um, a, a lot of people, some of our listeners, they're not here in Jackson, so they don't yeah. really know where Revolt is or even yeah, probably yeah. know Revolt. Yeah. But... Our, uh, Jackson was kind of split up into like three or four zones, the beaches, yeah. south side, the west side, and the north side. Yep. Um, they kind of group downtown and north side together. And a lot of times, like the way that it's been kind of segmented and from, I guess, like historically, the yeah. shift has occurred where there was for a long time during the post-war, all the construction, all the new construction went into the south side and the beaches. Yep. Um, and then... The older, the older buildings, older schools that used to have for a lot of notoriety over um, the the superintendents, the schools. After uh, desegregation occurred, you just saw a flight, a yeah. flight out, and yeah. and now what you see is a majority of our north side unfortunately got left underfunded, left without the assistance um, that that a lot of these schools need. Yeah. And then what happened worse is over the last 20, 30 years. We saw school funding levels drop and resources get shifted to other areas. Yeah. So I wanted to, I think, point out to our listeners like, he's Rebald is in that north side. It's underrepresentative. It's never. It, there's a lot of issues within the north side, long side of just education yeah. that affect these kids. And so when he was referencing to um, his student, that, or, or sorry, his mentee. It's like there are hurdles there that aren't just education. Yeah. Do you want to touch yeah, on some of that? Yeah, I mean, it's in most communities. There's communities like the North Side in every probably major city that we have that, um, because of generational systems that have been put in place where people are disenfranchised or um, white flight or just economics in general, um, and big corporations or companies not moving into those certain areas, you lose some of that economic value housing value, uh, educational value. So honestly, what's interesting about it, appreciate that history lesson, first of all, <laughs> on the north side. Yeah, I was like, okay, you better drop those, the history on there. <laughs> but honestly, you have, for example, you have Rains and Rebalt, which are less than a mile. mile like, away, yeah. Literally, you, mm-hmm. I mean, you would be like, Ended. why are these two schools near each other? But because one used to be the white school, one used exactly. to be the black school. And now and they're both majority, 96% of think they yep. believe black, yep. and 99% of it is, um, econ- the, the statistic here in the Duval uh, County Schools is economically uh, dis- disenfranchised yep. or um, dis- like disabled, yep. I believe. Yep. So you're getting, like, so what's interesting about the whole thing is you are, you're actually getting, with Title I funds and some other funds, you're actually getting a good amount of money, mm. but you have to think about 
what's the type of students that you're getting, mm-hmm. um, sort of what you need to get them to that all the way to that level. Because the goal of every high school school in general is to get folks to and through that 12th grade year so they can make a positive decision, a life choice for themselves, whether mm-hmm. it's college, military, trade, whatever. Um, and I think that getting them to that point, sometimes it's going to take more funds, more resources, more wraparound services to get some students there rather than others. So and I think that's the question. community and school. Yeah. And then you have some full service schools, which is a model that we have in our town where you are you have health care, which Revolt now has a new health facility with Baptist Health. <clears throat> who would Baptist Health is on campus. So you now have healthcare facilities, you have mental wow. health facilities, um, and you just really need that in order to make sure that students are, are getting all of those services. See, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Now here on the basic buzz, we like to kind of cover some specific topics and maybe not specific to Jackson, and, yeah. but there's these are definitely specific to education as a whole. And we just want to see your perspective on something and discuss. Um, so, firstly, when I mean, you brought up the idea of school safety and the trauma these kids have, like, how how do we protect our kids if, if that, because that seems to be the thing that most people are worried about, um, should it just be on protection? Hmm. Protection in what way? Like physical? Yeah. Like metal detectors and police officers and all well, that? Well, it's, it's, people are putting that out there, right? Yeah. Saying we need more searches and stuff yeah, yeah, with yeah. that metal detectors. Like, what's your view on all that? I mean, there's so many policies out there. I, number one, I think that, I think there's also a false sense of, of, that our schools aren't safe. Um, but if you really think about, like, even in Jacksonville, I mean, we've had, for example, we've had officers that are at middle schools and high schools already like it wasn't like it wasn't already in place but i think now it's just we're oversensitive to it but i'll never deny the fact that i think about when i send my my girls to school they're they're younger but ultimately i don't i want them to come back safe and that's every parent's wish it's every family's wishes to make sure that happens so i think now that you, you you're you have to play into and you have to make sure that you are going down that line and making sure you put every single thing in place to make sure that the schools are safe. Um, I think that though we have to be proactive about it. Mm-hmm. I think what we're doing now is we're reacting. We're reacting mm-hmm. by saying, hey, let's put a metal tech, let's do this. But um, a phrase that I've been using on the campaign is hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Um, and hurt in the sense of there's something that's going on inside of them that they haven't had a chance to talk about, haven't had a chance to, to really relate to an adult or, or a professional mm-hmm. and it's causing them to do certain things. So we're at a place now where if we haven't dealt with that, it culminates into violence. It culminates into a student bringing a gun to a school, a student uh, lashing out and being violent in a school. When, and in fact, if we were proactive about it, um, we'd be in a different place. I like that. Yeah. We've been talking just about safety, but the next topic that I really want to cover with you is, you know, vocational workforce classes and like like home ec, yeah. shop, um, and like art. Like, I know art seems so vast, like music and stuff like that. But, I mean, are these programs worth it? Are they? Definitely. Now, let me ask you this. Did you do shop, home ec, all that stuff? I had very, like, I had kind of a shop program in my, like, middle school, I think. And then ceramics and art in high school. Okay. Yeah. I think one of the things that we have to do with our our kids and one of my big sort of platforms and priorities is access Mm. um, and exposure. Like, we have to expose our kids to as much as possible. I think 
you, you think about kids that are growing up in more affluent areas, they're getting a lot of exposure. They're traveling, their parents are taking them to different camps, things like that. Weekends are probably spent exposing them to different things. So we have to provide, use our school days and our school sort of hours and our school environment to be able to do that. And I think we can do that through home economics, through the shop classes, through culinary, uh, through the arts. And I think if we if we don't do that, we're losing out on sort of developing a part of... Well, why though? Because, I mean... I'm I'm gonna play devil's yeah, yeah. advocate, right? Please do, so please do. Why, why do we need home economics? Yeah. Like specifically, I mean, like yeah. baking, making a list for mm-hmm. shopping, budgeting. Like, mm-hmm. why do we need this? I mean, it's it's basic human skills. Like, I think what we're trying to do too, in, in sort of the K twelve environment, is to produce uh, folks who are going to be productive members of our community. And you think about. As simple as like, yep, I know the ingredients, or as simple as I know how to make a list of of of, of things or manage a budget. These are skills that people are going to need and that are transferable to to jobs. I just want to say, the millennial generation has this huge <laughs> issue that we they they talk about all the time. It's like we don't seem to be able to budget nor right. follow a budget, and we are all in somewhat of a debt exactly. because we haven't either been like following our budgets or yep. just. Thrift shop, or um, we shop on uh, what's that called? On impulse. Thank you. That's impulse. It. That's it. And so we, so I, I can see that. Now the thing with vocational though, yeah. Like I never had welding. Yeah. Or, like shop was like more a little bit like painting on yeah, yeah. stuff, but like, that. do you think that will help fill a gap? Somewhere that we're not servicing? I think so. And I think we have to, what we have to do with vocational though too is we have to not look at it as a stagnant sort of concrete thing. Mm-hmm. I think we still have to adjust what those jobs are going to be because what we should do is be aligning whatever the jobs that are going to be available within the next three to five years after someone gets out of school, that's what it should be. So if welding is not it, we shouldn't be pushing all these people into welding. But if it is, um, if it is welding, if it is diving and welding at the same time, <laughs> we just need to make sure that we know. So I think there's it's up to us as a district and as a community to sort of forecast that out to say, hey, what are the jobs that are going to be coming available here in the next three to five years and how do we prepare our students for it? Um, and that also, when you get to the end of your high school career, um, there's going to be, you're going to, people are starting to split off. People are going to go to four-year schools. People are going to go to the sort of trades, vocational route. Some people are going to go military. So I think what we have to do is make sure that folks are ready for each of those steps. Mm-hmm. College, make sure they don't have to go in and take a bunch of remediation courses. Correct. Vocational, make sure that they're they're already either been exposed to it so they don't have to get into something they don't like. And then the military piece, just making sure people know about what they're getting into before they actually jump in and dive in so they can make a decision um, and like I said, exposure. Like, so expose them to it. If you go and do welding, you're like, I don't like welding. Mm. All right, well, don't do welding. Go do something else. You know what? I'm going to take you on a college tour. Actually, I don't like this the college environment. I actually will do better in a different type of environment. Okay. But at least you, you – I don't want to close any doors for any kids. And I think that's what we do sometimes too. We track students into, yep, you're only going to be able to go in the military. Yep. You're, you're definitely a four-year college person hmm. when we don't really give them that option or choice. Well, there's 80, what, 80 to 100,000 students here in Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm. How do you implement that? How do you give them all that opportunity? Yeah, I think it's, uh, number one, you probably have about 60% of the our environment who already has it. Like, if you think about the city and how it's sort of split out, because you think about this district, this district is 11 points away from being an A. Right. Like, you can drive to certain parts of town, you're like, yep, that makes sense. I see it. 
the schools are good, but then you drive to other parts and you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. How are we close to an A when my school is not doing what I believe that it should be doing? Mm. So I think it's it's really uh, being focused. Like we got to focus in on certain areas and sort of attack some of the inequities that we have. Uh, and if we know there's there's areas that have been chronically underperforming, we got to put more efforts, more capacity, and more money um, into those spots. So now that brings me to topic number three. Yep. How? So what is your? How? Explain a little bit about school districts, because I, I came yeah. back to Jacksonville, uh-huh. and I noticed that my voting district yep. is not my school district. <laughs> and then I realized that the funding for each school comes from the district that they're in by the millage, basically the tax of the home. Yep. Does one, like, does that even work? Is that system right? Well, I mean, it should be, so it should be aligned somewhat. So you should be, depending on where you are in the city, some, some most of them are aligned, where it's actually where you vote should be where you actually send your kids to school. But it doesn't really work. And it doesn't work because you have some areas that are just going to always be left behind if you do it that way. I mean, you have homes on certain parts of towns that are $300,000, $400,000. So the home value there and the property value and the millage rate uh, is going to be different than if you have a home that's, that's older and smaller. Um, and, and now you have also this disparity in, in, in especially in certain parts of towns where you're, you're not building, you're not going to be building houses. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have an influx of people moving in. So we're going to have a problem with utilization. That's going to be our biggest problem in the next three to five years is not enough students are actually attending the schools that are near their homes. Like you take a Andrew Jackson, for example, mm-hmm. there, there's not any homes that are being built around Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. And the people who live around there are older. So they're like 50s and 60s. They don't have kids anymore. They may have grandkids. Mm-hmm. So you, you have this gap in the number of students who actually can utilize a school. Wow. So we're going to have to get creative in how we utilize schools. So if the numbers of students can't be there, how do we get nonprofits to cap- use that for capacity? How do we get early learning, like childhood daycares and things to be in a school? I mean, how cool would that be? You drop your kid off, uh, your first grader off, and you can also drop off your kid who's not in school yet. They can mm-hmm. be in the same environment. So I think we have to get creative there. Um, but it's 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 interesting that you asked that question about voting and those sorts of things. Districts, first of all, our district's huge. It's almost, it's, it, it's it, the largest People would say it's yeah. too big. Yeah. Big old district, largest city of LAMS in the United States, and it's one district. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so, so, so... I mean, 200 schools? Uh, yeah, around 200 schools. Um, 125,000 or so students. It should probably be more, but a lot of students are either doing homeschool, virtual school, private school. Right. So way more students than are actually in the schools. But I think one of the things that I've seen work both here and other places is how do you create small pockets? Like how do you do a, they had a transformation zone is what they called it. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of years ago where they concentrated on 30 schools that were in this certain area. And you saw a lot of success there. And you could do that, um, have deputies over each of those areas. Mm-hmm. And I think the new superintendent will probably come up with some things that sort of create those pockets of success so then we can scale it, as I mentioned before. Is that something that would work better than if we de- like just actually got rid of the school districts mm. and just made a county? Yeah. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. Like, I think it would be... You have to think about duplication of services. You got to think about um, 
some other pieces that are under the layers, but it would be an interesting concept to, to sort of explore, to mm -hmm. figure out if it would be work better if we just uh, removed sort of that layer and yeah. sort of had a, a more... Only reason I bring that level. up is because yeah. uh, the head of the Department of Education, Betsy DeVos, was yeah. petitioning for a voucher system where kids could choose where they want to go to school. Yep, yep. And that's a, that's a big issue, like the whole voucher system. And if you think about the intent of it, the intent of it isn't bad. Like, mm -hmm. the intent is... Every kid should get a great education. So if they don't have a school that's good next to them, they should be in a voucher to go to some private school. Right. But fundamentally and system systemically, what it does is it siphons money away from traditional public education and schools. And everybody's not going to be able to choose that option. So right. what you're left with is a school in a neighborhood that is under-resourced and doesn't have some of the, the, the talent and the money that it needs to be able to actually get students to that end game to be able to make that choice about what their life looks like. Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you. I mean, Daryl, you've given us so many insights. I mean, this has been it's my the best. pleasure. I uh, I think everybody here, basic fam, and definitely Jackson was thankful. And um, so, I mean, guys, you're here to hear if you uh, if you like what you hear, vote for Daryl Willie in vote November. Willie, yeah. District four seat. That's it. District four. Aren't you in District four? Uh, I feel I, like this is District four. We're, I have no clue, to be honest, where. <laughs> like, this is what I said. The confusion with the school district is insane. Davey, but yeah. Davey, you are a District 4 voter. So I love it. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. So get out and vote. Uh, exercise your right. I think a lot of people have, yeah. have put their lives on the line for us to be able to vote. So We need to be out there. Yeah. The, the attendance has been at record lows. And we definitely, after everything that's been happening, the more people vote, the more you get out there and have a chance to. And, guys... Influence your neighbors, influence the people in your community to go. If see they it. can't get to there, see if you can hand, lend a hand. Yeah. It's about being neighborly out here and making sure that everybody you know and everybody that you can get to the polls and help out. So, yeah. Voteless people is a hopeless people. Amen. That's what they say. Yes, sir. And if you don't vote, you don't count is what my, <laughs> <laughs> my auntie said the other day. So, I mean, it's, it's a powerful thing, and you get to really can create change through it. So excited to be on here. I appreciate your... Be bringing me on anytime you want me back. I'm here. Thank you, Sarah. Well, we'll be looking forward to you in November. All right. Take care. Jack Morris, one you must be proud. So, so happy here. So glad that the Jaguars beat the Patriots. It was revenge for last year. It's not as sweet as it should have been, but it was good enough for me. I'll take it. <laughs> Basic fam, we are back, and we have Trista from At Your Beauty Pro here. Last week, if you missed it, she had a great little segment here about your hair journey and getting on to healthy hair. And mm -hmm, Trista, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you hinted at me already that you were thinking about talking about a second addition to that whole thing about maintenance, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about maintaining your hair while you're sleeping, something that I feel like a lot of women think about, but we all know we have those days where we're out late or just up late, binge watching Netflix or whatever you're doing late at night, snacking on a little something, something. But it's like everyone has those lazy days when they don't feel like really getting ready for bed. Just throw something on get in bed. Yep. Yep. Completely. Completely agree. A lot of times I have... Okay. I think it, it also comes down to like sleep position for me at least. Mm -hmm. When I go to bed, like with the hair and everything like that, I either put up in a bun or I just kind of put like one of those hair bands and just like 
pull it off my face so I can sleep. And then in the morning, it's just mm-hmm. whack. It's just crazy out. So I'm looking. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening with, uh, with intent here. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's like if you think about it, um, no matter what your hair texture is, you should be preserving your hair when you're asleep. I know you just mentioned you'll either put a headband on so it's not in your face or you can like put, a, put it up in, in a bun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be a tight bun. It could be a loose bun. Um, just so it doesn't know, flow back in my hair and hit, hit me while I'm sleeping or like get to yes. my mouth. And like, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that's me. That could happen that you can choke on your own hair. I, I think that could happen, yeah. Um, I know a lot of women are told to kind of make sure that you're wrapping your hair with like a silk or a satin scarf. I know fellas that have longer hair, I don't know, but I'm assuming fellas that have longer hair like yourself, you don't wrap your hair, right? No, I don't wrap my hair. Okay, that's okay. Um, what you could get if you're interested is to just get a pillowcase. Hmm. Um, so you have to worry about physically wrapping your hair, but at least your hair is still protected with a pillowcase. Reason being, um, cotton, I mean, again, us females, we know this, especially with, like, with sew-ins, you don't want to use a cotton thread because that soaks up all the moisture in your hair and dries your hair out at the root because you're sewing in with weaves at the root, right? Same thing with uh, cotton sheets, cotton pillowcases. They absorb all that moisture from your hair, whether it's your natural moisture or some products you're putting on your hair, girl. That can actually dry out your hair. It can lead to your hair nodding up and tangling while you're sleeping, and that's no bueno. Mm-mm. No, I don't need that in my life. It's probably why I no, wake up every day that. and I brush my hair, and I'm like, where did, where did these huge knots that my hair magically made in the middle of the night? Like, I yeah, that's wondered. when you go to sleep with the headband on, not not your hair up, right? Mm, yep, consistently. Um, so, like for you, Davy. Since, you know, I don't expect you put on a little bonnet on your head or a little wrap on your head. Just get a silk pillowcase you can get from Amazon. They're kind of cheap. You can get two for $10. You can get them in just about any shade that you want to get them in. I mean, they're not expensive. And what it does is it helps. Since it doesn't absorb the moisture from your hair, your hair can better, like, just glide across the surface. And that way it won't get tangled and knotty and stuff when you're sleeping. No matter how rough of a sleeper you are. Eh, okay. Uh, I'm assuming this is in lieu of a silk headband. Yes. Um, This is really good, too, for those women who tend to wear extensions. If um, you don't necessarily want to... How? 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 (laughs) How? Yeah, how is this good for girls with extensions? I'm trying to figure this one out. Because it's like, you know, the frontals and the lace frontals lace closures and lace frontals are very popular right now so um a lot of times if you're using adhesive to keep it down in Mm. the front or even like a 360 where it goes all the way around the perimeter of your head to where you can wind up in the high ponytail and it looks kind of natural-ish um if you actually wear a silk scarf that can actually like make your head sweat and that in itself can loosen up the glue so here is the example. You must like if our if our basic fam was listening to last uh, last week's last week's last episode with Miss Nicola, they would have learned all this right here about the frontals, <laughs> the three sixties, because there was a lot of lingo being thrown out there. I was like, yo, okay, 
I, I, I kept up. I learned. I took a lot That's of good. notes that episode. A lot of notes. That's good. So you're going to get you a, a unit mate? No. <laughs> nah. Nah, fam. I'm good, love. I'm good. Yeah, so it's like when you have um, units like that that you're wearing, you don't want to loosen up the adhesive, obviously. So in that case, you could just put your hair up in the ponytail or a bun and just sleep on a satin pillowcase. That way, you're not messing up nothing and you're not tangling your hair at the same time. Um, for all you ladies that have relaxers or you get a blowout and you straighten your hair, please, please, please wrap your hair. If you do not know how, there are a ton of YouTube videos on how, okay? Mm -hmm. You really just need a wide tooth comb. You need a bristle brush. Always start with the wide tooth comb first though. Please do not rip out your hair. Um, and then you need a duckbill clip. If you don't know what a duckbill clip is, it's a metal clip that they use at the hair salons and it has a slight little bend in it, like a banana. So the only problem is you can use bobby pins, but those are so like tight and small that they will leave creases in your hair when you unwrap your hair the next day. Whoa. <laughs> I know from practice. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Now, so if uh, you... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. If you're wearing your hair naturally wavy or naturally curly, they can do like what you do. Yes. You can wear your hair to the top knot. Yes. Put it in a bun. Hey, the, the, the pineapple. <laughs> the pineapple. <laughs> the pineapple, yes. Try to put it up as tight as you can stand it on your head so you're not, again, <laughs> you don't, you're not chancing it being rubbed too harshly while you're sleeping if you're a rough sleeper. Because you want to be able to let your hair down the next morning, right? And have it look good and have that bounce back. Oh, everybody wants to bounce back. Three-day hair is like the, the the place of gods right there. Now, just be careful um, with the type of headband that you're using. Make sure that it's just not going to be too tight on your head. I know some people are sensitive to headbands. Um, you can use a headscarf if that's more comfortable for you. That way you can adjust how tight or how loose it is on your head. If you choose to use a scrunchie, please try to pick one that's not just, you know, like a bandana material full of cotton, because that will do what to your hair, Davey? Dry it out. Uh... Oh my gosh, what the hell was that? <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> my, my sick attempt at screaming, but not trying to make too much noise. <laughs> um... Now, I want you to, I feel like most people know this, you know, your skin kind of heals itself or regenerates like when you're sleeping, right? Correct. Your hair is the same way. So you want to make sure that you're keeping your hair moisturized and locking in that, that moisture when you're sleeping. So you can put a little bit of oil on your ends before you wrap your hair. I put a little oil like, within your hair shaft and then your ends before you put up for the night. Mm -hmm. That way, when you wake up the next morning, I mean, you have that natural bounce. You got that sheen. You got the healthy looking <laughs> hair that people want. You be walking around getting compliments, you know. Mm -hmm. But that does not give you a pass to add a bunch of oil to your hair and then go to bed with a cotton wrap on your head. That does no, 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 no. Think <laughs> you're gonna make up for your hair drying out. That's not how it works. <laughs> This is this not. Nah, because you just wasting product. Who who buys? Who spends their money to buy product to waste product? Not I. Not Me anyone. Either. 
me neither. So those are my tips on how to help like preserve your hair when you're sleeping to have to give you better hair when you're waking up in the morning you can say that I woke up like this <laughs> God, in a good way if in I, the best way like if I could count if I could get a dime for every time I heard that God, I woke up like this yeah yeah I'm good I'll pass don't be choking on your hair and then be like oh my hair woke me up like this you don't want to be that person that's me baby. like not gonna lie <laughs> that's probably why I get such bad sleep <laughs> Yo, all right. So, quick question: What is your favorite way to do your the scarf, like the scarf technique? So, if you're gonna like put it up in a scarf, what's your favorite? Like, I know some some girls like to do the over the top and the tuck in the back. Some people like to do the what? I don't know the the twister. (laughs) (laughs) So it really depends on my hairstyle because. I am relaxed. My hair is past my shoulders. So when I actually wear my hair, I wrap my hair. Here's also a tip about wrapping your hair. I will rotate which way I wrap my hair. Because if you continuously wrap it one way, um, your hair can actually start to thin on one side. Same thing with like if you're wearing different units and sew-ins and stuff like that, you want to change up your part. Otherwise, that same spot that you part your hair in can start to thin over time. Right. So, you wrap your hair around. I use my duckbill clips. I usually use about one, maybe two. Um, and then I get a big square satin scarf. I fold that in, not in half, but like I fold it into a triangle. Okay. So then I start in the front, place it on my head. I wrap it around the back of my head and then tie it in the front. That way my whole head is protected and it doesn't come off when I'm sleeping. Now, if I'm wearing a weave, that depends on the texture of the weave. Mm. Is it curly hair? Is it like a bob? Is it long hair? It really depends. If it's a longer length, I'll do like a couple of French braids. I'll take the ends, wrap them up on the sides of my head. It's it's like, I really wish I could show you guys. It's kind of hard (laughs) to describe. But ultimately, I'll still put a scarf on my head. If I have uh, curly hair, I will either do two twists on the sides of my head like a French braid or I will put it up in a pineapple. Hmm. So it really is. We're so flexible with our hairstyles, you know? So how we preserve our hair at night depends on the hairstyle that we rock in. I feel you. So what you gonna do? What am I gonna do? (laughs) Uh, I currently am rocking a bun. I'm probably gonna go to sleep rocking the bun. No (laughs) lie. As a... Um, loose least effort kind of male species man I tend to gravitate to the easier hair care product solution which is bun first and then hair is out second so bun life mm-hmm. bun life exactly I understand mm-hmm. lucky for you it's in style still mm-hmm <laughs> I know, right? I, I keep looking, waiting for the day that someone's going to walk up and be like, nah, bruh. <laughs> Time to do something different. Let it go. Amen. Well, Trista, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, t- dropping some more knowledge on our hair care and maintenance. And girls and guys, also, I hope you guys took heed. There's some great little tidbits in there for everybody. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to our last episode about Weave, Miss um, Nicola from Atlanta. She's a mobile uh, 
cosmetologist she goes and styles on the on uh, and comes to you. She gave us a full run through on lingo explanations of mm-hmm. different types of weave, her. hair types, all that stuff. It's a great episode. Go listen to it. Um, and then come back and hear Trista's tips here as well because it kind of ties in with that. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. Everybody, have a great time. We'll be back in two weeks. Peace. Deuces. Hey, Basic Fam. The show today was produced by Basic LLC. Music was provided by Torian Miles. If you haven't already rated us, you know, it helps us get noticed. So, one star is five stars. It's up to you. But remember to subscribe and share and let people know about the basic buzz. All right, basic fam. See you next time.